Vasudevasutam devam Tansujanuramardanam Devaki paramarandam Krishnam vannev jagat guram Hi and welcome to Season 5 of Gita Girl. My name is Sharmila and the Gita Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be your best self by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. Jai Sri Krishna, Shaila. Jai Sri Krishna, Sharmila. We are happy to be back for this new season. We're 20 episodes in. This is the start of season five. And we are going to try something experimental this season. We're going to do one episode a month. In the last 20 episodes, you all have gotten a good sort of overview of the Gita. And now we're going to delve a little bit deeper into some of the topics that we think are interesting. Today's episode is about why we don't practice what we preach. As you said, we're 20 episodes in, we have all this great knowledge, we know what we need to do, but why can't we bring ourselves to do it? Whether it's practicing good habits, which we all know are important for our minds and our bodies, exercise, meditation, good sleeping habits, not procrastinating, or whether it's putting into practice the advice from the Bhagavad Gita, like staying calm, doing our best and leaving the rest, doing our duty, non-judgment, controlling our anger. All of these things we know for a fact will improve our lives, yet we don't seem to be able to help ourselves. Why is that and how do we overcome it? That's what today's episode is about. We know the Bhagavad Gita is a conversation between Arjun and Lord Krishna as Arjun was facing the battle of his life, the battle against his evil cousins. But the whole Bhagavad Gita is actually an analogy of the real battle going on within us constantly. Arjun is one of five brothers, the Pandav brothers, that represent the good tendencies within us. And he's facing his evil cousins, the Kauravs, and there are a hundred Kauravs. And that represents the bad habits or bad tendencies within us. Obviously, there's a lot more than five good habits and there's a lot more than a hundred bad habits. But generally speaking, that's kind of the proportion of five good voices in us versus a hundred temptations or bad tendencies or bad habits within us. So the battle was about to begin and Arjun was determined and resolute and knew what he had to do. In fact, in chapter one of the Gita, verses 20 to 23, Arjun said to Krishna, who's driving his chariot, he says, take me in the middle of the battlefield. I want to see the whites of the eyes before I destroy them. He knows exactly he's what ready he to fight. To exactly. He is. He's spitting blood. And he's ready. That's in chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. Three verses later, when he actually comes face to face with his cousins and he sees them, his judgment becomes clouded and he no longer could think clearly and he crumbled. In fact, he thought he shouldn't fight at all, and it's better to give in to the evil opposition than wage war. One of my students, Sarita, in a recent class, came up with this absolutely brilliant interpretation. Sarita said, what if the symbolism here 
is Arjun actually facing his own demons, his own issues, his own negative tendencies. And this interpretation is so profound to me. And I actually reread chapter one with this mindset. And I was like, wow, this is great. This is right. When in a crisis, Arjun was in a crisis in the battle of his life, we are often faced with our own negative habits. And even we know what we need to do, our judgment gets clouded. We all know, I'm going to do this. New Year's resolutions. Yes. I'm going to be my best self. I'm going to meet that person. I'm going to smile. I'm not going to let them exercise every day. Yep. But when we are faced with our own negative habits, even though we know what we need to do, our judgment gets clouded and we give in to our negative tendencies, anger, blaming, resentment, rumination. We give in to our weaknesses and our impulsive reactions. This interpretation of Sarita's, it made so much sense to me that it's easier to give in to our weaknesses, to our own negative tendencies, than practicing the skillful actions we know that we should be doing. You and I talked about this, and the example that came to my mind is that when I get angry with Sunil, my husband, you know, it's so much easier for me to be angry with him. Even though it's a negative emotion, it's pretty easy to fall into. It's easy to feel resentful, call my friends and get upset about him and, you know, relay all the horrible things that he's done or why he was wrong and why I was right. Like, it's it's really easy. And what's more difficult to do is to put myself in his position, try to see things from his perspective, be patient, be kind, be more tolerant, be understanding. That's a lot of work. I think so many of the negative tendencies we fall back on, we do because they're easy, you know, but I know we'll get to this later. But if we put in the work, it's tough to get through that work. But the payout is a better relationship, greater happiness, greater joy, greater fulfillment in your relationships, or if it's something as simple as being physically healthier or being mentally healthier because you put in the work to start a practice of meditation or you put in a practice to start trying to eat more healthy. Whatever it is, once you put in that work, that payout is great, but wow, is it difficult to do so because it's just so much easier to mire in that negative. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a fact that we're our worst selves with the people we love when we should be our best selves. Yes. Which is not an excuse. It's just such a cop out because it's unacceptable. We all know that with our spouses, marriage counseling 101, approach everything with curiosity rather than blame. Hey, I'm curious as to that. <laughs> why you did this. Like, oh, can you please explain to me why you did this? Whereas in the moment, you're like, what? Why did you do that? What are you crazy? (laughs) And that's such an easier fallback. And it's a habit. It's a habit that's easier. But I'm practicing that with my husband, who's also called Sunil, although not the same person (laughs) as your husband, Kayla. But I'm practicing approaching with curiosity rather than blame. And it's just helped our relationship so much because I think he feels safer around me. I feel less reactive. He feels so much more open to telling me his viewpoint rather than defending. That's right. 
And it's just much, much better. But it, it only took us 31 years to get here. <laughs> hey, you got here. You got here. But I think you bring up a good point. You changing your behavior also laid the foundation for him to be his best self too right. like as you said he was in a safe space he didn't feel like he was going to be defensive our negative behavior reflects on other people and they reflect that back to us right Absolutely. and you know if we're our better selves then it gives the other person permission to be their better selves too so that's yeah. an important thing to think about today's podcast is really about getting ourselves to be able to raise ourselves higher and to lift ourselves higher. And it takes a lot of effort. We say this in the beginning of every podcast, that this is about skillful action. And that skillful part is what we're talking about. It's action that is thoughtful and intentional. And it takes practice. It takes work. It takes research. It takes therapy. It takes talking to other people. It takes reading books. It takes reading the Gita takes listening to your partner, your friends. It takes a lot of effort. There's an analogy that if you have a lot of knowledge, like I said, we're 20 episodes in, and you don't put it into action, it is like memorizing a cookbook and never going into the kitchen. It is completely useless. I have an elder who claims to be so spiritual and they listen to so many lectures and they belong to this organization and they meditate every day. Well, they claim to meditate every day. I don't know if they're actually doing it. And I'll tell you why. Because this elder proudly says all the time, oh, I can't practice what I preach. I just can't do it. I have so much knowledge, but I just can't practice what I preach. That's difficult for me. A lot of good that is. Yeah, it's useless. As Krishna Das says, it's no use going to church, coming home, and then kicking the dog. And we know lots of people that have sort of a superficial practice of religion. Those traditional things that we do, those prayers and pujas. While important, I don't want to knock prayers and pujas. Those are important. Do those things. But it's easy to like read the book and recite what you've learned, but to put it into practice again. Very tough, but that's the work you got to do. And she talks about it constantly. Is constantly correcting everybody else. You're not going to have room to judge people if you actually work on yourselves. And right. I say that as someone who does a healthy amount of judging. But if I would move that out of my brain space, then I would have more time and more effort to work on myself. I don't have time to think about what other people are doing. So how do we get over this hump of not practicing what we preach. In the Mahabharata, which is the epic story in which the Gita conversation between Arjun and Krishna takes place, one of the main characters in the Mahabharata is the blind king Dhrashtra. He's the father of the hundred evil Kauravas. Look at the symbolism. He's blind physically and mentally, and he births, or his wife births, these hundred evil sons. And the blind king had thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of opportunities to discipline his evil sons when they were growing up, and even to stop the war at the very, very last minute. But he just couldn't bring himself to do the right thing, despite so many opportunities to do so. This led to war between the evil Kauravs and the good Pandavas, 
and the annihilation of King Dhritarashtra's entire family and everyone he held dear to him. So this is a cautionary tale to all of us. Don't be blind to your faults, to the negative tendencies inside you. Time is running out for all of us. We are blind to our own faults and blindly act, but the Gita urges us, face your issues before it's too late. And why is time running out for all of us? In the Hindu philosophy, our habits become deeply ingrained, much like the grooves of a record. Our habits become our personality, and then they become much more difficult to control and correct. This is called sanskar, S-A-N-S-K-A-R, sanskar, where our thought patterns eventually become our thought process. I'm going to say it again. Our thought patterns become our thought process. I'll give you an example. I know another person who has always focused and been so resentful of the people who wronged her. And she's outlived them all. They're all dead now. And she still talks about it. And it affects her so much. She still almost tears when she talks about it. She's become so bitter and resentful as a person and has a great life. But she just can't bring herself to enjoy because the bitterness and resentment has become her personality. I think so many of us feel angry and upset. We'll ruminate on the things that people have done. Those people have moved on. They're not concerned about you. The only person who you are harming by ruminating on it is yourself. I have somebody in my life who does the same thing and constantly thinks about all the negative things and the wrongs that have been done to her. And those other people have long moved on and she just can't. It's hurting herself and herself only. In chapter 3, verse 33, Krishna says, everyone acts according to their own nature. All beings follow their nature. And he says, what can restraint do? Once something has become your nature and your personality, you view everything through that perspective. Once you have become, let's say, somebody bitter, everything becomes like a bitter pill to you. Once you become selfish, you view everything in a selfish manner. So Krishna says that once something becomes your personality, you then imbibe everything and experience everything through that personality. And everything becomes processed through that characteristic. Then how on earth can you change? Much more difficult once you've dug that hole. Think of the years it took you to start looking at the world that way, right? And some of it is a natural reaction to the way maybe you grew up or the environment that you were in. Some of it is a product of your personality. But whatever it is, you have an opportunity now to really self-reflect and think about what is holding me back. Do I tend to look at things pessimistically? Do I tend to react to things with resentment? Do I tend to feel jealousy? We have an opportunity now. We have an opportunity every day to make a choice to wake up and say, okay, how am I reacting and how is that serving me and how is it not serving me and change that. And again, that's 
the work we speak of. It requires a lot of honest conversation with yourself, but you can't flatten out those grooves in that record. You can. It just takes a lot of effort because for some of us, those grooves are pretty deep and will take a lot of concerted effort. For example, I tend to be a person who sometimes holds on to resentment and I have to recognize that each time I walk into a reaction and feel resentment when I react that way I have to take a pause and maybe try to look at that situation differently and I I can make the choice not to but then I'm stuck with this negative emotion for some reason we are attached to our bad habits yeah. we are attached to that mindset and we're blinding ourselves like blind king Durdrashtra and we're giving birth to even more negativity and what Krishna is saying is don't be blind don't be attached to your bad habits your bad habits are not you they're just bad habits so what you're saying here is that we are willfully not seeing the things that we're doing incorrectly or we're willfully not seeing the ways that we need to change, or maybe a mixture of both? I think it's both. I mean, how many times do we dig our heels in when we get called out for our flaws? Let's take our spouses, right? So you will call me out. My first knee-jerk reaction will be, no, 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 no. Now I have to justify why I got upset. So digging your heels in and doubling down is willfully blinding yourself just to be right. You want to be right rather than to be evolved. And I know so many people who do that, including myself, and it's horrible. And it's not going to end well for any of us. In chapter 12, verse 12, which is one of my favorite phrases in the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, knowledge is important. But more important than knowledge is the will and presence of mind and focus to put that knowledge into practice. Shayla, when we were talking about this a couple of days ago, you said the internal battle is actually where you have the most power to make change. I love it. It's really the only place you have to make change, right? There's so much around you that you can't control, that you can't change. The only thing that you can change is your own reaction. And like Sarita said, when Arjun was looking out at those soldiers, he was fighting his own inner battles. He was fighting his own attachments, in this case, to those people. But it's analogous to our fighting our own inner demons or our own negative tendencies or our own incorrect ways of, I don't want to say incorrect, just unhelpful ways of reacting to the world and the people around us. Destructive. I'd, I'd say destructive. destructive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. On the flip side, someone who's very close to me, a, a member of my family was recently diagnosed with cancer and she's obviously going through a lot and the treatment is challenging, but she has been building up for years a practice of gratitude and meditation and journaling and all these wonderful practices that now in this really difficult time has been so helpful for her. You know, she's been able to draw on those practices. For example, when she first got the diagnosis and was feeling very anxious, she was able to draw and that practice of meditation to breathe deeply 
and to work through some of that anxiety. And her practice of gratitude is something that she continues really on difficult days and um, days that are maybe slightly less difficult. She has been able to think of the things that she's grateful for and that has helped her to focus on the things that are positive in her life. And I think those are her record grooves that she has on repeat and that she's been able to draw upon in a really difficult time because, let's face it, we're all going to go through really challenging times. And you want to be able to draw on habits, really positive habits that build your resiliency. And I think we each have to decide for ourselves what those are going to be. But I think at the very basic level, we've talked about this before, practice of gratitude meditation. These are things that should absolutely be in everybody's arsenal and are things that we can start doing today. Because when you're in a difficult time, like when you're feeling anxious, it's hard to build in the practice of dealing with anxiety at that moment. But if you've already been in the practice in less anxious times of meditation or deep breathing or dealing with your anxiety in a helpful way, when it comes to those stressful times, you can draw on those very easily. Krishna Das says, practice while you can, you're going to need it when you can't. And I'm sure as much as your relatives going through a tough time, it must be inspiring to have somebody who is so brave and can face this. Without a doubt. Incredibly inspirational to us and to everyone around her. And also just a real reminder how important it is to begin practicing those things. In chapter 12, verse 20, Lord Krishna says, the ultimate goal in life is to do your duty and face each circumstance, each task, each situation that you come across with the goal to use that situation to evolve higher. Winston Churchill says, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. So each crisis, each battle is an opportunity to do the work to evolve and grow stronger. What a great way to look at challenging situations, just an opportunity for growth. For growth, exactly. Something not nearly as challenging as a health issue, but I myself have been going through some pretty intense drama where I've been the target of somebody's extreme malice for the last year and a half. It's been verbal abuse. It's been written abuse. And it's been pretty challenging. And I know my habit, my negative tendency is to ruminate. Why are they doing this? What are they thinking? And I've just used this opportunity finally after months and months of ruminating and wondering and trying to figure out what's going on in their heads. I've used this opportunity to extract myself from all ruminations, just focusing on doing my best and literally leaving the rest and all the layers and layers of theories and ruminations and sort of like the whys are just a waste of my time and a waste of my husband's time too. I don't know what's actually going on with this person. I never will. All the blame, all the anger is unnecessary. And instead, I'm putting energy into healthy boundaries, focusing on the positive, being able to take my mind off what's going on. And for somebody who's like me, and I think most people whose thoughts can just run wild, this has been an amazing opportunity to be able to rein my thoughts in 
and develop that skill of saying to myself, I am actively not going to think about this right now and distract, do something else. The other day I was having lunch with a confidant. She said to me something brilliant. She goes, okay, let's talk about what have you learned from this? A good question. And for the first time, I actually listed what I've learned, healthy boundaries. I've learned to reprioritize. I've learned who's important in my life and who isn't, what is important in my life and what isn't. The list went on and on about how many things I've learned. And it was a great way for me to not throw myself a pity party. Well, it's a great reframe, right? You can't control that other person's behavior. The only thing that you can control is your reaction to it. You didn't roll over and allow yourself to be victimized. You created your own tighter boundaries. You refused to ruminate. You refused to think about it. You refused to let this person impact your mood and your relationships. Oh, no. And I, wait, wait. Let me just stop you there. <laughs> like, this is crazy, Shayla. Yeah, this happened. <laughs> I was only able to do this literally after about a year of taking Listen, it. What did we say? We said it took work. <laughs> we said it takes work. Work takes time, you know? After I mean, a, you got there. That's the important thing, you know? a year of ruminations and panic attacks and nightmares. Listen, like, you, you got there. I'm I sorry that you're going through it, but... You didn't become a ruminator in a week. Right. You were practicing that behavior. For decades. For years. Yeah, decades. And so just taking a year to sort of work through that and develop better, healthier habits for you, you should be congratulated. And I'm going to congratulate you. Good Thank job. Thank you. It's gold star behavior. You're very generous. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so Lord Krishna says in chapter 18, verse 37, there are two parts. One is beneficial and often difficult, and the other is the pleasant path and often the easier path. The pleasant and easy path is enjoyable in the beginning, but leads to pain at the end. The other wiser beneficial path is difficult in the beginning, but leads to happiness in the end. So Krishna has outlined that, look, this is going to suck in the beginning, guys. Yep. Meditating is not easy. It's boring. Frustrating. Going to the gym is ah, such a drag. But the rewards are incredible. Whereas the yes. easier path often is pleasant in the beginning, but he says it ends in poison. I've been thinking, I feel like we should give our listeners homework in each of these episodes. Let's do and it. Let's do it. I think the homework for all of us is to really look internally at what our record grooves are, the negative ones, and think of the enemy that we're facing, like Arjun is facing those enemies. What are our internal Peace. characteristics that are key enemies that yeah. are keeping us from moving forward and keeping us from joy and happiness? And to start chipping away at it slowly. Like yeah. if you're a people pleaser, if you feel resentment or if you feel angry, just the next time you start feeling that coming up, your homework to yourself is to think, what are some different ways that I can react in that situation instead of coming at it with anger or resentment and put it into practice slowly. I think your homework every day is always going to be meditation and gratitude. Every morning, think of two things you're grateful for. Every day, do some form of meditation, whether it's mindful eating or, you know, actual meditation. That's going to be your perpetual homework. But I think we need to all work to start building our armor and building our arsenal of good habits. 
good tendencies. Shayla, thank you. I love that. And I think part of that is recognizing that we're attached to our bad habits. We have sort of an emotional attachment to them and recognize that doesn't serve us. Wait, is this really helping me or is it just my emotional attachment to this habit? Maybe it's easy for me to fall into this thought pattern, but it's going to poison me in the end by becoming my thought process. It's easy to say, that's who I am, right? but be aspirational. Who do you want to be? You can always change and you can always replace those thoughts that aren't serving you with more positive things. And those positive thoughts, as Shamila just said, will turn into more positive processes. Another great confidant of mine said to me, vibrate higher vibrate higher. Mm. I love that. Aspirational indeed. That is our podcast for today. Why we don't practice what we preach and how to get over it. Get over our attachments, get over our blindness, vibrate higher. And we all have homework. So let's get to it. That's right. We'll check in on you next month and see how you're doing. Thank you all for listening. As always, we're so, so grateful to you. Thank you for joining us on all these seasons and kicking off season five with us. And we look forward to connecting with you again next month. Remember to check us out on our Instagram page at Geetha Girl or on our Facebook page, Geetha Girl as well. You can join our group and share comments and ideas and thoughts about the podcast. We would love to chat and connect with you. And you can always email us at Sharmila at GeethaGirl.com. Jesse Krishna, everybody. Deshi Krishna Vasudeva Sutam Devam Tansu Janura Mardanam Devaki Paramarandam Krishnam Vandev Jagat Guram